Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show, and you're listening to the Iron City Rocks podcast. Horns up. Give you some money, man. I got two tickets, but I'm taking everybody, and you're listening to the Iron City Rocks. Hang out and turn it up. This is Brad Sherwood from Whose Line Is It Anyway, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Go Steelers. All right, Pittsburgh! You are the best! You got the best! Hello and welcome to episode 221 of the Iron City Rocks podcast, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am your host, John, back again after about a two-month hiatus is hosting the show. want to thank Sean ever so much for uh, stepping in and filling in in my time of busyness, so it's great to be back on the airwaves with you all. We have kind of a fun episode, um, an interview that I did back in August. Uh, right before one of um, one of my favorites was coming to town, Eddie Money joined us on the line. He was coming in to play a show up near Conneaut Lake Park. Uh, unfortunately, the venue had a fire. The show had to be canceled, and uh, Eddie didn't make it into town. Uh, so obviously, it wasn't really uh, that time sensitive that we ran it back then. So we were saving it for a good moment, and I think this is a good episode for it. I had the opportunity to talk to Eddie back. Uh, about a year ago, uh, maybe almost a year and a half ago, and unfortunately the recording got very messed up, uh, and honestly it was one of my absolute favorite interviews I've done to date. Uh, I was a big Eddie Money fan uh, growing up, still enjoys music today, uh, and he is funny as all get out. So it was a really, really a good time to do the interview, and uh, we're going to roll that for you in a short bit, but we have joining us, speaking of funny... We have comedian Brad Sherwood joining us. Brad will be coming to Pittsburgh with Colin Mockery. Uh, those two names probably sound familiar. They were both hosts and uh, stars of the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? that was ran for, I believe, seven years on ABC. Uh, the show is making a resurgence. It's going to be re-airing on the CW. Uh, and in the meantime, they're going to be doing a tour uh, together, doing improvisational comedy. So they'll be coming to the Carnegie Library Music Hall of Homestead on November 23rd. They're doing a show. Uh, tickets are still available. There's, I believe, an early and a late show. Uh, I'm sure you can check out the times if you go to ironcityrocks.com and you can get a link to where you can buy the tickets. And as Brad points out in the video, um, in the interview, I'm sorry, they will be shooting a DVD that night. Uh, so for those of you who always see those really cool live albums and stuff, I think, boy, it been cool to be in the audience. Here's your chance. I know I'm kicking myself for not being in Skinner's Live at Steel Town. So it's a chance for you to go and uh, be part of history with Brad and Colin doing their show. So without further ado, let's get into comedian Brad Sherwood and I's conversation from earlier this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome to Iron City Rocks. We have comedian extraordinaire Brad Sherwood. How are you doing, Brad? I am doing great. So uh, one of the things I always like to ask comedians, um, you know, just right out of the shoot. How did mom and dad feel when you, when you kind of announced, you know, you're a kid from Illinois that you want to be a comedian? How did that go over and head home? Well, I, you know, I think anytime, uh, a kid wants to go into some sort of sort of art form, 
the parents roll their eyes back in their head and think, oh, that's a bad idea. But the one advantage I had is that my parents met in art school. They were both painters. Oh, okay. So really, there was really not a whole lot they could do because I could just point the finger at them and go, really? How's that artwork? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so did you, I mean, you went to school to be a comedian, or, or how does one prepare, you know, for that? Did you go to, like, acting school? Yeah, I went to acting school. I started acting when I was eight and was doing plays in schools and little repertory theaters when I was a kid, and then continued through high schools and college, and then moved out to Los Angeles. Cool. Now, um, you know, I think most most people, you're kind of synonymous with, with outrageous comedy and improvisation, but did, you know, have you done, like, serious you know, kind of dramatic roles and things like that as well? Not too many, but my uh, first gig ever when I moved out to L.A., I was I did a show called L.A. Law. Yeah. I did uh, six episodes of that. Uh, and uh, so, I, strangely enough, that was my first job when I came to L.A. And then I think Hollywood realized, okay, we should probably stick him in comedy. Yeah, that's exactly. Where he, that's where he belongs. He's a, he's a little too funny for L.A. Law. Um you am I correct? You got your um, you know kind of first you know I think a lot of people know you from whose line is it anyway? And you were actually on the British version of the show, which preceded the American. Is that correct? Yes, yes, I did, I did the British version and then the American version, and then of course now there's a second version coming on in the states. Oh, on the CW. So oh, great. Um, yeah. When you when you did it in Britain, I mean I, I know you know. As an American, I've seen people like Rowan Atkins, Ricky Gervais, and they're kind of an acquired taste. And I think once people get their British humor, you, you know, you get it. But as an American in Britain, how how were you received? Well, uh, I did three seasons of the British version, and strangely enough, only one of them I taped was over in London. Okay. Uh, the first time I did it, we did it in New York. Then the second time I did it in England. And then the final time we did it in L.A. because we were getting ready to start the American version. Right. So, but you know, we we travel all over the country in North America, and we've done shows in Australia and England mm. and Canada. So, uh, I mean, in, and uh, India. So, the audiences tend to be, you know, universally uh, attracted to the show. In that, you know, what we do on Who's Line is not a lot of political humor, and right. and, and it doesn't tend to get too terribly topical. It's all kind of fun, weird, situational stuff with characters. Mm and sort of cartoony versions of people. Right. So everybody can relate to that on some level, regardless of whether it's their cup of tea or not. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I, I know, you know, when you look at a show like The Office, I remember when it made the jump from being, you know, a British television show to a, an American television show, and I it thoroughly enjoyed the British television show. It was kind of like, yeah. it was very strange to watch, you know, the American version for me, and I was just always kind of curious if that's kind of how whose line went or... Um, it was just a kind of a continuation. Um, with whose line were you? Was it a lot of the same cast members when on the British version, or was it were you and some other guys on it at that time? Yeah, the the, four, the final you know three or four seasons of Whose Line were kind of similar to what it became in the states. Okay. Uh, you know, call the last few seasons before uh, as Wayne came on on the last season of the British version. Okay. Uh, but pretty much, you know, Greg and I and Colin and Ryan were sort of the the recurring regular people on the show the last two seasons, and then uh, they brought in other people to rotate into the fourth chair. Okay. 
And and when obviously I think you know most Americans kind of you know thinking you guys with the cast also with Drew. How, how did Drew become involved with the show? Well, Drew kind of helped bring the show to the United States. In okay. That, uh, he was on uh, his show with Ryan. Okay. You know, and Ryan would do the Drew Carey show, but then he would also go off each season and do a British version of Who's Line. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he and the producers of Who's Line uh, had been trying to get it on in, in America, uh, but hadn't had a lot of success. So Drew helped sort of walk it in over at ABC and say, you know, this show is so popular, why can't we do an American version? They were like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll give it a try. We'll, we'll shoot five episodes that will air in the summer and we'll see how they do. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we were on for seven years. Yeah, I, I remember. It, it seemed, you know, in, in that era to be almost like the Dancing with the Stars of today. It seemed like it was almost on a couple times a week. And, it, you know, between that and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, you know, kind of ruled ABC's lineup, which was fantastic. Now, yeah, those 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 were the good old days. <laughs> um, I, I think anything before Dancing with the Stars is the good old days, actually. Yeah, I can can <laughs> concur, or, or maybe before American Idol, but I don't want to I don't want to judge. You know, something <laughs> something changed dramatically in television, primetime TV around that time. Um, true. You mentioned. Um, a new version for CW. Do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, um, you know, what's going on with that and when we can expect to see that? Well, it's kind of, CW kind of did the same thing. They said, you know, uh, the producers were trying to get it back on the air. It was always popular. It was popular when it left the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the problem was it was on, we were on Thursday nights on ABC at the same time as Survivor and Friends. Yeah. And so the rate, the ratings didn't bear out how popular the show was. Yeah. Uh, because the network, our show was so cheap to produce that they put, always ended up putting it in time slots that were troublesome. Yeah. You know, because other shows would lose money in those time slots and we would at least not have a financial loss for them. But right. then they would look at the ratings and think, oh, it's not getting good ratings, therefore it's not a good show. So, you know, you know how networks can be. Yeah. They, uh, they, they look at the bottom line, not actually the content. And, uh, so, you know, uh, the CW network decided to, to give it a try after they'd been knocking on doors for a while to try and get it resurrected. And they uh, managed to do it. And again, CW was pleasantly surprised at how great the ratings were. So that now they've decided to commit to it and will probably be on for a couple seasons. Awesome. Now, is it going to be a lot of the same cast that, that we saw before with Wayne and Ryan and, and such? Or, yeah, or the... Wayne, Wayne, Ryan, and Colin will still be the regulars, and then the fourth chair will be rotational people. Awesome. They're also trying to bring in new people. Some They've uh, had uh, performers that are all on other shows on the CW, mm-hmm. the uh, guest stars on the show as well. Oh, of course, you can get all the folks from the 90210 cast. Or, that's kind of... Um, exactly. Let, let me ask you this: the, the show that you, you're traveling with Colin now, um, can you talk a little bit about what that is? I mean, what you know, is it similar to what we see on Whose Line, or, or is it more of a stand-up show? Or you know, what what can we expect there? It's no stand-up at all. It's all improv. We're going to go with our strong suit. Uh, it, you know, it's we play some games that are similar to ones from Whose Line, and then in our long touring together, we've come up with a bunch of fun and weird improv games as well. And it's it's even more audience interactive than the TV show is because we bring people up on stage a lot more and we're constantly using their suggestions. So 
it's really, uh, I think it's a fun treat for an audience to, to see a comedy show literally made up in front of their eyes. Um, you know, as a performer, is that as much, uh, I mean, I would imagine it was you've done it your whole career, but is that as much fun as it sounds? I mean, to be able to just kind of do something different every night, you know, you've got some, you know, bits that you have there, you know, maybe, but to that kind of interaction, I'm sure it keeps it pretty fast paced for you as well. It never gets old. It, you know, it, we've been doing it for 10 years now, Colin and I. We've done hundreds and hundreds of shows, and it never gets old because, you know, the curtain goes up and you walk out on stage, and all we have is a little list of, you know, the games that we're going to do that night in the show. That's all we have. Everything else is flying by the seat of our pants. So you walk out there with opening night jitters every single night you go out on stage. Yeah. That, that that sounds you know just you know from my own little brief theater stint I mean that sounds like the adrenaline would be pumping constantly and it you know you hear a lot of musicians you know kind of you know if I have to play Stairway to Heaven one more time you know kind of yeah. you know you know you're playing the same set list night in and night out to be able to go through and do that um, you know has to keep it very fun you know even you know take a stand up comedian you know I'm sure they improvise a little bit but a lot of that you know from city to city night after night is probably the same. You know, so that's fantastic. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, aside from the charge that a band gets from the audience being excited to see them, yeah. they're doing a monotonous thing over and over again. I imagine a band like REO Speedwagon having to play the, their hit every yeah. single night for 30 years. Yeah. No matter how much you love that song when you wrote it, you're sick of it by the time that much has gone, time has passed. It's just. You know, and we don't ever have that lull of repetition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that 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 sounds fascinating. Well, Brad, I want to thank you again. You guys are coming in on the 23rd. You and Colin Mockery are going to be doing a show at the Carnegie Library in Homestead. Uh, tickets are still available, and uh, we really look forward to seeing the show, man. Absolutely. And we're actually we're shooting our new DVD for our comedy special there. We did one uh, a couple of years ago called Two Man Group, and... Uh, this one's called Out of the Box. So everybody that comes to the show, uh, that show is going to be recorded for uh, our new DVD. It'll be immortalized. Awesome. That is fantastic. Yes. Well, we look forward to seeing you in just a little over a week and a half, man, when you get here. Thank you. Great. Thanks. My pleasure. Again, a giant thank you to Brad Sherwood. He's going to be coming into town with Colin Mockery, doing a show kind of, uh, you know, based on whose line is it anyway. It's going to be November 23rd, Carnegie Library Music Hall of Oakland. I'm sorry, of Homestead. Make sure you get the right one or you'll be very disappointed. Homestead, down by the waterfront if you're a Pittsburgher, you'll know where I mean. Uh, again, it's going to be shot for a DVD, so uh, kind of a historic performance, if you will. Uh, and let us know what you think uh, of us having some c comedians on the show. I know over the past uh, couple years we have been joined by uh, some of the hosts of That Metal Show, also, the guys from the Deadliest Catch, uh, I have to admit that was very self-indulgent. I'm a huge Deadliest Catch fan, so it was really cool to talk to them. Let us know what you think. You like us having some non-metal and non-hard rock musicians joining us on the show. IronCityRocks at gmail.com. We're going to get into an interview now with a man who is both. He's a comedian. <laughs> Maybe not by trade, but uh, just an incredibly funny guy. Uh, and a phenomenal musician. He's been making uh, hit records almost as long as many of us been alive. The man, Eddie Money, um, has had hits from Two Tickets to Paradise all the way up through his latest offerings. Uh, kind of had a nice little resurgence in his career with the Geico commercial, of all things. Who would have thought the, the Geico commercials would have been such a springboard of success for a lot of different things? 
Um, so Eddie uh, still touring uh, quite a bit, does a lot of work. He's been doing some charitable work. So we're going to get into an interview I did with Eddie. Uh, again, this is interview's a couple months old, but um, nothing in here really time-sensitive, so um, you know it's not dated in any way. Eddie, I'm sure, will be back in the Pittsburgh area before too long. Uh, for those across the United States, he tours constantly, so your chance to see Eddie is, is never very far away. So one that I would strongly, strongly recommend it. So without further ado, here's the Money Man. Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to be joined by the fabulous Eddie Money. How are you doing, Eddie? I'm doing great today, man. Looking forward. It's a beautiful day out here in California. I've got some shows coming up, and things are going great, really. Yeah, actually, I noticed you, you were, uh, you know, at this point in your career, you were quite the road dog. You Do you take any extended break from touring, or is it just something in your blood that you love? Well, you know what, what they say about it, it's out of sight, is out of mind. And let's face it, I mean, I had 14 songs in the top 100. Big, 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 all gone. Shaking Two Tickets Paradise, sick me off tonight, think I'm in love, want to go back. And uh, I get out there, and, you know, we got a, we was, I was blessed with a lot of hits. And, and besides, I got five kids, I'll do anything to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only have two, and I know exactly what you mean. And, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't have the top 10 hits like you do, but. Um, I noticed just recently you did a uh, a benefit show for uh, for Glenn, uh, your longtime drummer. Do you want to talk a little bit about the event and how he's doing? Well, yeah, Glenn is uh, actually had like a, he had a cancerous uh, tumor in his in his bladder, and it was like the size of a golf ball. And then uh, he got very lucky, and now he's kind of cancer free, which we're very very happy about that. But it was touching golf for a while, and everybody was in everybody's prayers, and he came out he came out of that all right. He, He's back on the road working his butt off with me. It's, uh, you know, some people feed can't, some, some people don't. I'm very happy to say that Glenn is doing really well. Thank God. Yeah, fabulous. That's, that's great to hear. Um, I have to ask you, obviously, um, you have, have been riding a wave of some really good press lately, um, and a lot of uh, PR, I should say, with the Geico ad. How did that, you know, kind of present itself? Did you guys kind of go after them, or did they come to you? Well, they actually came to me. I don't know why. It was kind of a funny commercial. And they came to my former, uh, my former, former management agency. And, uh, I don't know, the, the whole thing was kind of, a, I don't know, it was a good thing. I actually, you know, I got a pretty wife and I actually wanted to get, get her back on television. I kind of felt like Debbie and she was kind of like Lucy. But there was this little old lady actually that was a very accomplished Broadway actress. And she was pressing pressing the CD button on the tape deck, and I've got, I'd sing two tickets to Paradise, but they went up using an a cappella version. The last mm-hmm. one we actually did was a cappella. Mm-hmm. So uh, my wife wound up on the editing room floor, which she wasn't too happy about. But, <laughs> but it was fun commercial. And now recently we just did that uh, ad song called We Should Be Sleeping, and it just showed up on a, on a Beauty West commercial, which is great. Yeah, and of course. On, you know, I've done a lot of things with uh, Grand Theft Auto. They've had me in, you know, Guitar Hero. I guess, you know, I mean, I've been an accomplished uh, recording artist and a, a celebrity since uh, the late 70s. So I feel lucky that uh, I still got so many great fans out there, you know. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, you're able to find ways to kind of infuse uh, interest in your material. You know, obviously, you know, I think I remember discovering you as a lot of people in my era did with with, uh, Take Me Home Tonight coming on MTV, and it was in such heavy rotation. 
you know, I kind of remember seeing Shaken in some of the videos prior to that, but, you know, anymore, you know, we don't really have that medium anymore to push new music, you know. And it, it's, yeah, I got to say, MTV's been very good to me ever since the very first days when we actually did the, I, we did two videos for like $80,000. We did the, uh, we did Shaken video with Apollonia, and Apollonia was the first thing that Apollonia did before she did Purple Rain. Yeah in the shaking video and then of course we did the, the, the Dracula video make up a lot but yeah. all of a sudden we're like the, you know MCB's uh, heroes now I look back at that and I look like a singing shoe salesman you know <laughs> yeah I was just thinking about that I think of in love video there was some theatrics in that one that was uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, Ozzy Osbourne's Spark at the Moon video it was a very similar uh, kind of thing but uh, now as far as you know an, an artist now I mean I, I know in in talking to bands like Foreigner and, and things like that, do you still consider the idea of going back into the studio and making new records, or is it, does, does it make sense in this musical environment? You know, for I don't really know. You know, I had a song called One More Soldier coming home, and a lot of the profits were going to the uh, Intrepid Fall Hero Fund. These kids coming back from Afghanistan with these head trauma injuries. Mm-hmm. It's a non-profit charitable organization. I was thinking of going back in, but, you know, once they buy the greatest hits, once they can buy, they take take me home tonight to fix Paradise, shaking, maybe old arm, walk on water. Once they can, you know, once they can get that on one CD, I don't. I think my, I mean, I had a long time in the sun, and you know, I have the glorious years with me being on the radio and stuff like that. But I'm getting old right now. I mean, if Elton John put out a new hit single, you think it's really going to go to number one? I don't really think so. But no. I, I I might make a new record in the next uh, six months or so. You know, I've got plenty of material. Yeah, and uh, my kids have got uh, my kids have got some really fantastic material. So I'm thinking about putting a record out for uh, Jessica, mm-hmm. and of course my son Desmond is now a, a bit of a recording artist. He's got some really good material, and then my son Joe is really into dubstepping and some crazy stuff that I'm not into. But I've got talented kids, and I'm sure they want to get out there and get some exposure. So if there's any way in the world I can help them out, I'll do that. You know. Yeah, I mean, take a page from, you know, look at uh, Meatloaf uh, taking his daughter out on the road as a backup singer, and it you know, certainly helped her career, so certainly a fine yeah, idea. Yeah, I mean, my daughter, came out, my daughter came out on the road with me, and she, and she had a lot of great fans out there, but, mm. you know, when they're young and stuff like that, after a while they get bored out there, you know, it's not yeah. like they want to get, they'd rather stay home and hang out with their friends, you know? Yeah, yeah, hanging out, hanging out with dad isn't quite as cool, even if dad is one of the coolest. <laughs> even if dad is one of the coolest singers of all time, I, I understand. You know, kids don't always see that. And, and you bring up a great point about like Elton John. I know, uh, you know, looking at bands, you know, like Journey put out a fabulous album, but you know, you you come out and you play well, I mean, songs. Journey, from I mean, if you look at people like Journey, I mean, Journey, they, they recreated themselves. They got a kid there from the Philippines singing for them. Yeah. Then you've got. Uh, then you got Foreigner, this kid Kelly, who's a great singer. Fantastic. Foreigner is out there. But I don't think uh, Rick Jones didn't go out with him that much anymore. So Foreigner, kind of like the new Foreigner, but people like the fact that they sound like Foreigner, and I don't think people really know the difference, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I know I, I caught that band, and Kelly's a fantastic singer, but, you know, that was a night that Mick wasn't there, and I was thinking to myself, you know, this is kind of a kind of a different thing here. You're seeing a band that has no members, but, you know, in, in a situation like that, even if, if, you know, even if Foreigner had, you know, Lou and Mick and they had a new song, I don't know that fans react to new material because there isn't a way, 
you know, FM radio isn't going to pick up the new song from Foreigner and play it to death. You know, I know in, in our market, I, I will hear Give Me Some Water on the radio more than I would hear a new song from you. And that's just the nature of terrestrial radio. You know, they're there to sell advertising, not break artists. So Yeah, they're still doing a, they still play a lot of Eddie Money hits. I'm very glad of that. And I'm, give me some water and walk on water. And I don't know. I mean, I'm very happy. I still get the airplay that I'm getting. And they just got a phone call from somebody that went to a Minnesota Twins game and they were playing half out of two tickets to paradise. So I'm very lucky that, you know, all the sporting events, you know, two tickets to paradise was a big hit for me. So, you know, we still got a lot of, we got a lot of airplay on all these big public create systems and all the sports arena. I'm very happy about that, you know. Yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, you're going to be headed out. You're on the road. You, you, do you stop touring at any point? I mean, really, are you? Uh, you know, I'll tell you, you know, touring... It keeps you done, you know. It keeps you young, you know. Mm-hmm. I quit smoking cigarettes because all my voices sound good. Uh, you know, my wife's got me on the treadmill, which drives me crazy. And yeah. I my hair. I mean, it's, it, it, I think rock and roll keeps you young. I mean, yeah. these days, you can't go out there knocking down like you know some vodka tonics and you know smoking a pack of cigarettes and doing what I do. I mean, you know, in your early sixties, you, you, you got to stay in shape. So I mean, I mean, if you really care about making people happy and giving everybody a good show. You're going to do your best to take care of yourself, you know. I mean, look at Mick Jagger. I mean, the guy just turned 70 years old, and he's still out there dancing around and hitting his notes. I mean, he's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the guy's really got it together. Yeah, absolutely does. Uh, I have to, I mean, I'm assuming it's still fun. I mean, you still enjoy doing this after, the, you know, this many years. Well, yeah, I'm out there because I'm out there selling T-shirts for these uh, for the Elizabeth Glacier Pediatrics AIDS Foundation. These kids that are born HIV positive, and then we're supporting the intrepid fallen here upon these kids coming back from Afghanistan with these head trauma injuries. And you know, I love my fans, and I you know, I love getting out there and having people all get lit up and loving baby old on and bringing yeah. back. They say, I remember when I first listened to Ted take me hometown out, and people tell me they had their kids, their kids conceived to shake, and I said, Well, I don't really have to hear that, but. <laughs> it, it's great that you know I, people like to reminisce. My voice still sounds pretty good. I got a really good band, and people like to come out there and enjoy these Eddie Money shows. And, and it's great to have them. In the, it's always great to see them in the building. You know, absolutely. Let's put it this way: if they didn't come to the shows, I wouldn't be working right now. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Eddie, I want to thank you. It's been an honor to talk to you, and I appreciate you making time for us this morning. Oh, that's a pleasure, man. Thanks so much for the interview and. Uh, Tell everybody if they can, you know, go to my website, anymoney.com. I'm playing shows all over the country. Tell them I got two tickets, <laughs> but I'm taking everybody. Tell them to come down and do some shaking with the money, man. All right. Thank you so much, Eddie. Take care. Big thank you to Brad Sherwood and uh, the money man, Eddie Money. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to both guys. Uh, Eddie Money, as I will freely admit, I was a big fan of his uh, through my growing up. The Can't Hold Back album. Uh, just was was really vital uh, in my collection. Played the heck out of that album. Uh, that was the album that featured uh, "Take Me Home Tonight." Um, I had some other great songs like "I Want to Go Back." Uh, the title track "Can't Hold Back" was a great one. So, if you were ever in a UCD store or something, you find that album is definitely worth picking up. Uh, some tracks on there that you probably won't get on his greatest hits, but some really really uh, cohesive album from Eddie Money. Uh, and again, watch his website for tour dates. Brad and Colin will be in on the 23rd to do a show. You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. 
You can find links to all the social networks and stuff, but if you're one of those that are just a purist with Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks, twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks, youtube.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. Also invite you to check out our sister podcast, heavymetalbookclub.com, which is featured in an interview with Megadeth's David Ellison on his great new book called My Life with Death. A uh, really cool book, uh, not your run-of-the-mill musician tell-all book a really interesting book so if you're into those kind of uh autobiographies and stuff on music check out heavy metal book club also castironring.com it's a family of podcasts uh that we belong to uh some great shows from all over the globe uh really uh primarily centered around hard rock and heavy metal we've got some musician uh gear type shows and some other things like that i know iron city rocks is not primarily or exclusively, I should say, a hard rock and metal show. We get into blues and obviously any money with rock and stuff like that. So we're uh, maybe one of the lighter guys on the uh, on the docket. But we've got extreme metal, classic metal, Brazilian metal, Spanish metal. You name it, we're, we're all over the globe with castironring.com. So really highly, highly recommend you check that out. You can always get in touch with us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. We love feedback if you're in a band. You want to submit your music, you've got an event going on, we'd love to hear from you whether you're in western Pennsylvania or anywhere on the earth. Uh, we are uh, welcoming of all music of all shapes and sizes from everywhere. So we appreciate any feedback. Until next time, hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you in a little while.